listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 87. I'm going to be talking with you about how to build a social media strategy in 2019 that killed it. Here we go. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Hughes, who drinks eight ounces of water a day. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Got a real quick episode to drop for you real quick. Because I said real quick twice, it's going to be super quick, double quick even. I don't know. Sometimes the mic is on and I don't even know what I'm saying. So here we go, everybody. I wanted to talk about a social media strategy for 2019. And I really want to talk kind of about how I'm thinking about it for my church and uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Not all of this is in place, but I want to give you some examples of how to think about your social media strategy top to bottom and kind of what you're doing with some of these different platforms. What might be a good platforms to focus on this year? I, I know I, I released an episode not long ago about the social media examiner report and kind of what's going on in the world of social media and how you should be thinking about it. So in light of that, I've kind of been thinking, what's next for us? What, are, what should we really be focused on as a church to reach our people in places where they already are that we're kind of set up to do right now. And I understand that my church is a larger church. We have resources, we have people, but we have some of the same issues. And that is volunteers, finding people to help out, uh, money for gear, money for hosting or whatever we need. Um, We don't just have it you know, in droves. So we have to budget and make things work too, because uh, we're launching a campus this year. So, I mean, there's things that we just finished a building campaign. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, and so we're, we're definitely looking at our strategies and plans and making sure they fit with our goals and what we want to accomplish. Uh, really what God has put in front of us in 2019. So for social media, let's just jump into this real quick because uh, I got a lot to say as always about social All right, well, let's start off with kind of an overview of social media, how all these work together. For me, I really see basically three social media platforms that really matter in 2019 that churches really should be focusing on if you can. And and then at the end, I'll add a fourth that's really not social, but it kind of is, so I'm going to throw it in. But uh, let's start off with the big one. Obviously, everyone needs to be on Facebook, but how are you using Facebook? Uh, You have pages and you have groups, and there's a lot of stuff coming out about those. So understand that there is a big difference between a page and a group. A group is for people to wrap around an an interest or a community kind of focus, and a page is really kind of outward focused. So we are thinking about our pages that way. Uh, Much like you would think about your worship service is kind of like you come to the worship service, that's a top of a funnel for people in like discipleship or something. It's like the first thing we want you to do really is the website, social media now, but you know, for most of us, it's like you come to the service and the classic church model and, uh, you go to the service and then obviously you're going to be wild. You're going to love that. And so we want you to come back and get into a smaller group, right? A small group, a home group, a Bible study, a class, whatever you call it. You want people to get into smaller chunks of, of people doing something together, whether it's spiritual growth or whatever, because that builds community and you want people to get to know each other and connect. And we know that if we start at the top of the funnel, we're probably going to connect very well there. But as we get deeper into the funnel, the funnel thins and we 
get around people that we find that we have a lot in common with, or maybe don't have a lot in common with, but we just work it out because we're family, but we're working for that community. So in that way, your service is kind of top of the funnel and your home groups tends to be kind of the bottom of the funnel. And really under the, under the home groups, I know there's like serving. That's like the real serious Christians, right? Are the ones that serve. So we're looking at our Facebook stuff kind of like that, where the Facebook page is a lot like that top of funnel church service. It's very outward facing. It's very visitor friendly. Um, the content really isn't super, well, it is, I was going to say super spiritual. Of course it is. It's the worship service, but you know what I mean? It's like, it has the guest in mind, not just the inner circle, like a Bible study would. Um, so our Facebook groups are obviously going to function then more like a home group or a Bible study class kind of thing. Um, or even, even deeper as a volunteer hub for people who volunteer. And, um, so that's kind of how we're thinking about our, our Facebook strategy. And it it has affected some of the way we put out content. Now we have about 30 Facebook groups at our church. And I know that sounds insane. We have four different types of groups that we've kind of categorized things in. I actually have a web page, uh, on our, on our site dedicated to go to this page and you'll find all these different groups, see what you want to be part of. And it's divided up into these four categories. So it's easy to navigate, but it's about to get to the point where it's so big. I'm like, Oh my gosh, might just need a different page for different things. But, uh, we do have four, you know, 30 some odd groups The the different categories are, and, and I'll tell you how these function. Um, first we, we do have interest groups that are like running or photography, writing, uh, or motorcycle riding, which, yeah, we have that, that are just based around an interest. And some of these could really be great as an outward focusing kind of Facebook group where it reaches into the community. So right now they're inward focused interest groups. So we're working towards that outward focus, but maybe invite people into those. I know people do, but that's kind of, you know, it's hit or miss how that really functions right now. Um, then we also have volunteer groups. Volunteer groups are for those, like you have your hopes, your students, um, volunteers. And then we have kids volunteers or teams of volunteers, whatever. And depending on what the ministry wants, we might do a campus specific group for each volunteer at each campus, you know, like kids, kids volunteers at one campus and kids volunteers at this other campus and they have their own group. Um, some groups have said, we just have, we just want one big group of volunteers because we really focus on training. Um, so that's one of the great things about Facebook groups is that you can post videos and do the social learning kind of, kind of thing where here's how to greet, here's how to open the door, here's how to smile, you know, and those videos are great because people need to know, here's what we expect of you. And they may have missed orientation, but still have to serve. And so it's a great place to build a community around, this is how we do things here. And it's really helpful. So we have volunteer groups, we have interest groups. We also have, um, ministry groups and the ministry groups are based around some of our actual ministries here at our church. We have a serve group, which is based around missions. We actually have an, a young adults group, which is one of the most active groups. Surprise, surprise, right? That, uh, it's very active. They, they plan meetups in their Facebook group and it's, uh, it's great. It's very active. So we use our groups to get people together, uh, around our ministries as well. And then the last type of group we have are campus groups. These are kind of new. Uh, we actually didn't start these first because I think we needed to gain traction in showing what groups could do in some of these smaller areas so that I could get a little buy-in from some of the other pastors and see how does this actually enhance ministry. And I think also I really didn't, I really didn't 
portray it well. I didn't really communicate it well, what these were for. I was kind of like from the communication point of view, like this would be great for engagement. And people are like, I don't know what that is. Who cares? You know, and I'm like, Oh, well, what I mean is you'll be able to get, you know, do ministry with your people in ways you never thought you could because they'll share things on their, on, on, in a Facebook group that they wouldn't share in person. So it's like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I want to do that. So, um, there was kind of this, like, we see it, we understand it. The other thing I did for our Facebook groups that you'll probably need to do if you really want to get this strategy going. And I've talked about this in other podcasts is you got to resource and coach and that is give them content give them ideas, give them actual, you know, graphics or whatever. We actually got a subscription to Sunday social and I'm grabbing a couple graphics from there and just sending them out to all the leaders saying, here, you can post this this week. If you want, here's a folder full of stuff. That's really good. That kind of, and if I need to change colors or whatever, I get the PSD, I'll change things to match all of our kind of branding and change things up. If I need to, often I don't really even do that. I just send them out. Here's a folder. Here's a bunch of stuff. If you want to post it, it's great for conversation. I had a training session with all the ones who are going to be running it. And I walked them through like, why do we have groups? What are we doing with groups? We really want this to be the coffee shop, not the billboard. Uh, We really want this to be based around conversations, getting to know your people. This is a ministry tool. This is not an advertisement tool. We went through all that with them and they totally got it and they saw it as ministry and they were excited. And that's like the first time anybody felt, feels like sometimes, you know, nobody gets excited about what you do except you, you know, and it was like, oh, wow, there are people that really like this. That's awesome. So it, it was really, really great. So our Facebook group strategy is really about connecting people to each other around interests, ministries, uh, your campus identity, or just where you, where you serve. Um, so anyway, that's how we're using Facebook. And I think using groups is the way that Facebook needs to go. Uh, maybe you have just one page and there's a hundred people in your church and then you're like, why would I make a group of 10 people? Yeah. And I get that. However, you know, a group of 10 people could pretty, be pretty exciting if, it, if they're all excited about the content, the subject, you know, and it could be really a great use of Facebook where they see people posting in their group about whatever you're interested in, whatever you're doing together, but at least getting that one campus group, that all church group, um, how do you get them to move from the page to the group when you've already got their like on the page? You know, it's hard to sell that. So I would advise doing like a giveaway or something like that. Like, Hey, if you join the group and then we're going to give away, you know, a $20 gift card to to Sonic or I don't know what you like Starbucks or whatever you want to do Amazon. Uh, but if you don't like doing stuff like that, you could also just, uh, talk about someone, um, talk about stuff that happens in the group on the stage. So people feel like they're missing out if they're not in there. Um, you know, cause you might find some really great stuff in there anyway, but just find ways to make the group the place to be is what I'm really saying. Make that important. And if you act like it's important, if you value it as a leader and you show it, uh, then people will join it. And there ha- cause there has to be value. There has to be something there, a reason to join it. So Facebook groups are really a big deal for us. They're, they're actually helping our staff be able to reach their people on a more consistent basis without having to go through all the communication processes and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm resourcing you. Go green light, green light, go, go. If I see something you can't do, I'll just message you about it. We'll be cool. You know, and it's, it's great. And I haven't really had any of that very much. I mean, it's really hadn't been anything serious. So, um, if you train people well, then you'll get good results. If you pick the right people to train and you help them out, resource them. So anyway, Facebook is a big deal. Everybody needs to be on it. I think it's just, how are you using Facebook that needs to be kind of tweaked a little bit for 2019? So let's talk about Instagram. Now I talk about Instagram a lot, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I'm telling you this, there's two 
sections to Instagram and one just got a recently, uh, recently got a real big update, which is really awesome. Let's talk about stories. Instagram stories are where more and more people are, are living in Instagram, especially your younger crowd. They'll watch stories before they'll scroll through the feed. And in fact, Instagram stories, I think just hit 500 million, maybe billion. It can't be billion. It's 500 million. Let's say 500 million. Uh, check my math on that. But 500 million active daily users, uh, monthly users. Sorry, I'm butchering this. It's 500 million, some kind of users. So, there's a, But either way, it doesn't really matter. It's a lot of people in stories, right? There are a lot of people watching them. And that's doubled, I think, since last year. Um, Instagram stories is hot. It is where, you know, the trends are being set. You could think about ads and think about, um, selfie kind of video posts and stuff there that are really low key that don't take a ton of equipment or skill because people are used to watching that kind of stuff there. And it's a great place to connect. Plus you do have this fantastic feature that goes with, with Instagram stories. That's, that's unique. And it's called the DM which stands for direct message. If you ask questions, which you have a questions tag too, which is really great. It allows you to one-on-one talk with your people who want to engage with whatever you've put out. You ask a question, what's the best burger in town? You ask a question, what's God doing in your life? They feel like they can actually tell you that because it's not public and it's really, really great. And so it allows you a chance to dig into ministry, dig into, you know, your stories of your people, get to know people. And uh, if you're a small church, Instagram stories is such a huge advantage for you because there's fewer people to keep up with and you can definitely start to get to know some of these people. Now you can also learn who's freaky and who's not and who does some weird stuff. And so you got to be careful, make sure there's more than one person that can log into your Instagram at any time. Now, the other big update, uh, oh, oh, sorry for stories. We're really focusing more on video and raw footage. Uh, we do want to have some produced stuff. We do want to have some nice things. So we are shooting more with DSLRs and then uploading to Instagram stories because it's just nice. Um, but we're okay with the raw footage too. I have people that are out that will actually hang up Instagram story green lights that uh, they can just film stuff when they see it. And I'm like, don't put it on your Instagram, put it on our Instagram. Like you're going to film baptism, film it on the hope channel. Don't film it on yours or at least tag us so I can share it on the hope channel and show people what's going on because that's the kind of stuff people want to see. They want to see themselves, the people they know, their friends, their family, et cetera. It's a whole reason this whole algorithm thing's happening. So it, I, it, it's something to definitely look at. Video is really what we want to focus more on in, in stories uh, and go heavy with that. Being in the moment, being raw, that feels authentic. And that's why people like stories now probably more than anything, uh, which is why it's just rising to the top super fast. The second is the feed. Now, the feed is normally about good photography and nice videos and one minute clips and things like that, which is great, but you don't tend to get a ton of comments there. You could get a lot of likes. It's just really difficult. But one of the great upgrades that just happened is they finally made IGTV a little bit relevant by making it so that you don't have to do just vertical video. You can now post horizontal video to IGTV and great feature is when you upload to IGTV, there's a little toggle. It says, want to post a preview on your wet, on your feed. So toggle that. And when you post to IGTV, it posts to your Instagram feed, a one minute clip of your long form video. And when it gets to the end of the clip, it goes, want to watch the rest? 
Oh my gosh, it's freaking genius. I, I'm so glad they figured that out. And I think that's going to make IGTV so much more relevant where you can post those long sermon clips that are more than one minute. They might be two minutes, but don't go crazy because here's the deal. Still the truth about Instagram is people are not there to watch long form video. They're really not. I just believe that. I don't want to watch long form video. If you got more than three minutes of content, I'm probably going to bounce before it's over. I will watch it on YouTube. I will watch it maybe even on Facebook, but on Instagram, I'm my thumb is trained to swipe up, scroll or swipe sideways and tap and and go and consumes as much comment, content as I can. And most people are like that too. So, think about that when you're making long form content on IGTV. Don't make it too long. I think the average watch time for that is still under 2 minutes, maybe even a minute. Uh, so you want to, want to keep that down. You want to keep that, that clean, but it is a great feature. So Instagram focus on video there and using those long, long form, uh, types of content. Last, let's talk about YouTube. I know that churches use YouTube, but the way we use YouTube is not the way YouTube is really intended to be used. We use YouTube the way Vimeo is kind of being meant to be used. We use YouTube as this host for our sermons. And while that's fine, if that's what you're doing, that's fine. That's a great thing to do. You want to have that presence, but it's a presence without a purpose. And you're, well, I would say it without a purpose. It's without a real driving purpose. It's here's our stuff, unless you're really sharing those videos and trying to get content. But th- you, I think one of the issues is, and I do this too, is that for a long time, YouTube has been this place where you kind of go watch America's Funniest Home Video clips, you know, that you would see on that show is where you would see them on YouTube or cat videos or how-to videos or just kind of silly stuff. Or you think, man, my kid watches other kids play video games all day. That's dumb. That's actually closer to where we ought to be going, I think, as a church. So hear me out. I've, I've watched vlogs. I'm actually starting a vlog. And to be honest, I'm, it's kind of an experiment. I, I really don't get some of the blogs. Now, some of them I really love. They're really great. They're entertaining. They're fun. They're informative. They're helpful. YouTube is the second largest search engine behind Google because it's owned by Google. So it has all that in there. In fact, if you Google something, there's often going to be a YouTube video at the top as one of the results because those two are the same company, basically. And YouTube videos, what's the biggest search you know, precursor for any videos. It's how to, how to, how to fix a car, how to uh, fix a garbage disposal, how to, you know, I even YouTube something tonight. I search for how to select the microphone on my new camera that I don't really understand yet. How do I make sure I'm getting the microphone to record right? And I watched a video to show me how to do it. Now I can do it. That's how people function. And so with YouTube, thinking about that for the church, we could do so much more with this platform besides just host sermon videos. And I think a lot of us hear that and we go, we could do a lot, but we don't really know what to do. We don't really know where to start. And so let me give you a quick head start on some of the content that we need to make. Let's start with the idea of a vlog. 
That may sound ridiculous to you, but it is very, very common. Start with a vlog. Vlog, which is a video blog, right? It's just a talking head or it could be somebody doing a screen share. You might do a vlog that shows people how to navigate something complicated on your website, like how to sign up for small groups. You might even do a whole talking head video about here's why small groups are important and here's how you sign up for them or how to study the Bible or how to get involved in a Bible study or how to join re-engage or your marriage ministry or here's seven tips for great marriage, uh, you know, great marriages that you found that you want to share. So there's a ton of different ways that you can utilize the vlog format for your church that doesn't have to be super produced and super over the top and all this, you know, glitz and glamour entertainment. But if you can do that, great. But really it's just quick how to's helpful videos. That's a great place to start with YouTube. You can also do extra interviews. If you have a guest speaker, pull them backstage when they're done, go with a mic and go, Hey, now talk, let's talk about this real quick and kind of podcast interview on video and get them to talk a little bit further about the content they just shared on the stage. Or your pastor could go and do that every week. As soon as they're done with the spe- with speaking or right before they go speak, they could say, hey, I'm so excited about this. Here's, here's the things that I want to accomplish this week. Here's your homework for this week. And I love you guys. You can even use a video, a YouTube video as a link for your standard uh, newsletter email. Just let your pastor, we actually did that this week. Uh, it was our pastor's idea. And I was like, this is great. He just went in, shot a video and said, Hey guys, I just wanted to come to you on video real quick this week. And here's what's going on. Here's an announcement we need to make. And here's, I just want to say, thanks for doing this, this thing. And I love you guys. It was like three minutes. We hosted it on Vimeo and then we put it into our MailChimp account, you know, our MailChimp email. So uh, I know that we didn't use YouTube, but you could use YouTube. It's a great way to connect with your people via video. And you have to start seeing it as not the cat video message v- video hosting platform, but as a social media platform like Facebook and Instagram is that content you put out on YouTube, there will be followers there. There will be people interacting with you there. There will be people on YouTube that will comment and trust me, It is a desolate wasteland of horrible people that will find you and comment and you're going to, you need to be able to respond to those. Uh, Not everybody's bad, but the the YouTube comments are known to be pretty, pretty dank uh, most of the time. So you have to kind of be ready for that. But YouTube is a great way to meet or reach people that you normally would not reach with Facebook or Instagram because YouTube is not really, um, it's not really localized, right? It's like anybody could search for your video and find it, uh, from anywhere. And so there's this, this kind of wide reach, uh, ability of YouTube, not to mention you could localize it if you want to write in those keywords and stuff, when you put all your description stuff in and, and help yourself be found in your city, in your towns, in your state, whatever. So YouTube has a lot of great features. I, I would really love for you. I'm reading uh, the YouTube secrets book by Sean Cannell right now. I advise you to read it. I've read like three chapters and it's already blowing my mind. It, it's why I'm starting to vlog. I'm like, I, okay, you got me. I'm doing it. So um, I would encourage you guys to do that. We're doing some things like that as well. This is the part of our strategy that we really haven't launched into too far yet, but it we're building it. And I hope by 2020 to be able to come back and say, man, we've launched like three shows on YouTube and they're going really well. And it's like, Hey guys, what's up? We got that great, you know, vlogger. Hey guys, it's Seth. How's it going? And an intro down that they all do. But, uh, YouTube is going to be a, a big, big force for us, I think in the future. 
So the fourth thing I mentioned is not really social media, but it is a piece of content that actually can help your church. Really quick, I'll wrap this up with the idea of podcasting. It's what you're listening to right now, if you didn't know, because podcasting is has always been kind of big. Honestly, there's always been an underground uh, following of podcasting. It's been audio blogging back in the 80s, and it was actually, it's actually been around that long. But man, in the last several years, it's just really exploded. Everybody has a podcast, and it's super hard to get found. But if you can, if you can promote your podcast to your people, that's really what you want to create podcasts for, right? So we, we just recently did, uh, last year, recently, we did a, uh, a podcast. We have we have our Messages podcast. That's going really well. But we actually started a second podcast that was called the Mindful Marriage Podcast. You got to go check it out. It's on iTunes and it's on Google Play and all the places you get podcasts. It's only six episodes. I hosted it. I got our uh, marriage and minist- marriage minister, pastor, to come in and create it some content. And then we got a licensed professional counselor that we know. And those two sit down and they talk and I'm kind of just there facilitating and directing traffic while these guys are giving you actual content and good, um, you know, advice on your marriage. That's from a licensed professional counselor and a guy who runs our re-engage ministry and just knows his stuff. Uh, I believe he's licensed as well. I mean, that may not be true, but I think he is. But, uh, even if he's not, it's, I'm not. And so I'm in the room going, I'm the dumb guy in the infomercial, right? going, Oh wow, I can't believe this works. And people loved that show. We had fun together. We made it really short and we got two two uh, pieces of feedback that were negative. And the negative comments were, there's not enough of these and they're too short. So we're like, hey, that's a win. That's good negative feedback. So let's make more. So we're about to launch our second season. Uh, We're looking at doing a parenting uh, podcast where there's this couple that teaches a curriculum in our church and and they're really great. So I've asked one of our children's ministers to uh, be the host. I think he'd be really great. He's totally in. And so I'll just produce that show. So we're trying to make content that reaches people where they are. We want to start a stories podcast. If we make a video that has a great soundtrack and we interviewed a person, sorry, great soundtrack, it has a great interview track that uh, went for 15 minutes, but we used three minutes of it for the service. We'll take the 15 minute version and turn that into a podcast and we'll have the the whole interview on there and we'll do some, you know, produce, production around it, or we'll find stories and we'll interview people and we'll do like a serial thing where we produce it because we can, you may not be able to do all that, but you can probably find some way to get thoughts out there on the audio airwaves and podcasts, I think are going to be a great way to reach people in 2019 because it's kind of an outside the box way of thinking for churches because individuals love doing this kind of stuff. Um, but churches have really haven't thought too far outside the box when it comes to audio. I remember when Facebook audio was about to come out. Yeah. What's that? I know. Right. Uh, we all thought audio was going to be really huge. Well, we were right, but we were wrong about where we were wrong. We thought it was going to be Facebook audio, but that, I don't even know if that exists. I don't even, I don't even have that. I've never done it. It's uh, live audio. Sorry. Facebook live audio where it's not a video. It's just live audio. And I was like, I've always thought that's a weird thing. Why would, why would we do that? And I think that's why we probably don't know much about it anyway. Uh, podcasting though, it did explode and it got to be a place. I mean, Andy Stanley has been doing his leadership podcast in addition to his sermons for years. There's guys that have been doing it. There's, there's plenty of uh, entrepreneurs that have been doing it, but the church and church leaders 
we kind of feel like we have to be this famous pastor or this famous church or have this certain amount of people coming and listening to us before there will be an audience for that. And that's not true. There's an audience that you have every week that listens to you that would probably enjoy listening to you more if you'll just give it to them whenever they can get to it. So having a podcast content out there that's kind of evergreen and just lives out in the ether there is is really great. So what do you think? What do you think about content in 2019? What do you think about social media and strategy? I know that there's probably going to be things in here you can use, some things you can't use. You have to find what works in your context. And if you can't do all of this, do the one thing you can do well. But I'll tell you this, diversifying your social media strategy is a good thing to work towards because as Facebook closes down really hard on this algorithm, Instagram probably will too eventually. And we're going to be having, we're going to have to go somewhere else. So Finding your audience in small niches is probably going to be, that's how I say, I think niche is how some people say it, small niches, niches, whatever, small little tiny groups. You're going to have to find your audiences in different places and distribute things for them specifically. Thinking one-to-one or one-to-few more than you're thinking one-to-many in your communication strategy has got to be the way of the future right now because that's the way the social platforms are working. People are inundated with messages. You got to cut through the noise. So I hope this has helped you do that. Have a great week. We'll be back soon. See you.